conversation that I can have with someone. I'll say, hey, what do you major in in college? And they'll tell me, economics. I'm like, wow, that's really good. So you must really like numbers, huh? No, I hate numbers. I'm like, oh, okay. Um, what, why did you choose economics then? And they're like, well, I didn't choose it. My parents chose it for me. Okay, um, so what do they like about economics? They don't even know what economics is. I'm like, ah, okay, so what is it that you're really good at that really just gets you really excited? I really like arts. Okay, and the conversation goes on from there. But this is a story that I share with you because it's the story of many college kids that I have met that they have been made in a certain way, but because of pressures, various, various pressures that they face. China has a one-child policy, so this one child is the hope of the future of the family. They have a very strong sense of family ties. So this one child is going to be the future for not only their mother and father, but their, the mother's mother and father, the father's mother and father. And this is a culture where they're still trying to come out of, um, there are a lot of rich people, but there's also a lot of poor people. And so the parents want to bring them out of this poorness, and they think that by the way to do it is through education. However, it's not really allowing them to be who God created them to be. And so that just really breaks my heart. The thing... The thing that we're really going after here today is, is so you get put into a new reality. That's going to do something in you. That's going to transform you. How has it transformed you? It's, it's, there's been a lot of things that have transformed our lives as a family and with me, as me myself. Since moving to China, I think the biggest thing is we've been put in a place where we've had to have this utter dependence of God, on God, yeah. just absolute utter dependence on God. And let me explain that, what that means for us. A um, couple examples. Number one, finances. I used to work at Microsoft. I went to work every day. I did the uh, Microsoft thing, and that was what I knew. I trusted God to provide through Microsoft, and he provided for us. But when God called us to China, I was put in a place where, well, this is not normal. This is not what I'm used to. But God's call for on us was so clear and was so uh, was so real and so uh, obvious that we had to leave and we had to go now. And so, what that meant was um, just depending on God and putting our utter dependence on Him. Many people had said, "Why don't you stay back longer, prepare your finances, organize yourself, and uh, get your finance and funding in line?" But the God's call was so clear to us that we had to go. We had. Many generous pledges, but you know it never it wasn't enough to complete all of our uh, monthly needs, but we still went because God was calling, and we just put our trust in God and what we've found is that uh, God has come through for us every month we've had just enough uh, what we needed. He covered all our expenses, all our ministry needs, and just everything. God is really good that way. We saw that happen every single month. Another example is uh, training, seminary. You know, as we shared with people our vision and call that God has given us, 
we came under a lot of resistance, and mainly from family members. They would say, uh, what are you doing? How can you do this? You don't have any seminary or any training. You, you're not ready. You can't go. This is, you know, this is not for you. But again, you know, God's call on us and our family was so clear and so uh, obvious that to go was, to not go actually would be disobedient on our part. And so we went and God has done amazing things. And I have some stories where we talk to a lot of college students and just a lot of people in China and they have so many questions and so many difficult questions too. And when they ask me these questions, I'm thinking to myself, God, how am I supposed to answer this question, you know? And I would just kind of pray in my heart and my spirit. And then all of a sudden, God would just bring forth this amazing answer. And I'd be like, wow, you know, where did that come from? And I'd go to Michelle and I'd say, God has given me the answer again because he's done it numerous times under just crazy situations. Many times we can just say, hey, I can get back to you later and, and research it. But there are many times we're not going to run into these same people again. And so... An answer on the spot is what they need, and God just just downloads that information, and all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit just kind of brings it forth. It's just an amazing experience. So, so the thing is, you know, we could have waited for our financing and our funding to be ready. We could have waited for more training to be ready. But, you know, sometimes that time will never come or may never come. And when we heard God's call, we, we had to heed it. We had to go for it, and we had to put our utter and complete trust in him. And we have just seen the fruitfulness of his, his faithfulness. Thank you. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Thank you, guys. Thank you. I, wanted to, I wanted to do that because so they go to halfway around the world and they enter into a new reality and it transforms their lives. It transforms understanding of God. It transforms their, just the way that they think. It transforms the way that they live. And I want you to think about baptism in those same terms. You are going under the water in one reality, in one culture, in one setup. But when you come back up again, the word says you're now no longer of that reality. You're of another one. You're of another thing. Yes, you're still in it but you're of another thing. Now, I want to say you don't have to go halfway around the world to do that. I'm somebody who got transplanted. My native habitat is back in Colorado, where the Broncos are. Sorry, Seahawks fans. I know there's still a little soreness about that, but you know. And where there's ski slopes and where there's a certain kind of vegetation, which means there's not any vegetation compared to here. Okay? And I'm, that's my native habitat. That's, that's where I'm comfortable. That's my home. But here's the point. I come here. Why? Well, it's beautiful. <laughs> and the people are incredible. And this is, in, I mean, God has planted our feet in very pleasant places. I mean, being called to some place and then having it be Seattle, pretty fortunate. But I got to tell you something. When the Lees wake up in the morning in China, what do they say to themselves? What are we, I, I said lose, I said lose, didn't I? Sorry, when the lose wake up in China, what do they say to themselves? What the heck are we doing here? <laughs> right? That's the same thing I say. And that's the same thing everybody's supposed to be saying every single day. In a certain sense, it makes it easier to get the transformation when you go overseas or when you go to a mission field. 
even if it's just, you know, Colorado to Seattle. But, you know, you can go to China and you can stay right here and you can still not wake up with that in your heart. What you can wake up with in your heart is, is what do I want to do today? What sounds fun to me? I'm where I want to be. What do I want to do? And what we do when we enter into Christ is we take on an entirely different modus operandi, another way of living and operating. What we do is we go to him, and every morning we're saying, what the heck am I doing here? What am I supposed to be doing? And if we say that, a thing that started at salvation starts to grow. I want to illustrate this point for you, and to do so, I'm going to lose, use the lose kids, so I need Isaiah and Justice. Okay, so you got to, are you guys ready? Come on up. Okay, now you got to pray. Way to go, okay? Now, Justice, you're over here, okay? Isaiah, I need to pick you up on here, okay? Nicely done, Justice. What a good big brother. Okay, now this is Isaiah. Come up here. Come up here, okay, right there. This is Isaiah. Say hi, Isaiah. Okay? Now, what I want you to get a hold of is Isaiah right now is still a young man, okay? So as a young man, God has taken a seed, he's planted it, here's this little seed, right? And he planted it in the ground, and here starts to come Isaiah. Now, as he's growing up, something's going to happen as he gets older and older. And I liken it to a cottonwood tree. Because here's the thing about a cottonwood tree. It actually grows quite quickly. In fact, it'll grow to 100 feet tall. Now, the interesting thing about that tree, though, is, is that it grows so fast, and the way that it grows, it has what we call its soft wood on the inside, which is to say that bugs can eat away at it and create caverns, and then rot can start in it. And pretty soon, if Isaiah doesn't know the Lord, now he does know the Lord, and he will know the Lord with his parents and everything else, he will. But if he was somebody who grew up without the Lord, he would grow up big, tall, and strong, but the bottom line is, is on the inside, there would be this hollowness that would be happening to him more and more and more. And as that happened in nature, you get a big storm with a tall cottonwood tree, a big wind comes, it just knocks it right over and you look on the inside and it was hollow. And that to me is a perfect illustration of what living life outside of Christ is. So here's what he does at salvation and then in the journey from there. What he does is he takes another seed. Okay, a new seed. This one is not cottonwood. This is oak. It grows slower, but it grows thicker and hardier. It grows strong. It's what we call a hard wood. You can cut a section of it and make a coffee table out of it, and it'll last forever, right? That It's a hard wood. So this is what it's like. God takes a new seed. He's already got one, but he accepts Christ. God takes a new seed, and he takes it, and he, he goes like this, and he puts it inside of Isaiah. He, okay, all right? Now, Justice... Now, justice is Isaiah, okay? So you got to do something, okay? So now, justice, you got to go. Now, when Isaiah first gets saved, he's got this new seed inside of him. When you look at him, look at him, what does he still look like? Still looks like Isaiah, doesn't he? Still has that basic look. Now, there's something going on. You can see it, but it's still not quite obvious and evident. If justice never feeds the new seed... If he gets saved, but stays in the world and essentially of the world, and never feeds it, is he still saved? Yeah. He's still got the new being in him. He's still a new person. But that new nature, that new being that God put inside of him, that new reality, that new kingdom is not growing in him. 
And so he stays like this. He looks like Isaiah for the rest of his life. But if he'll feed it, if he'll water it, if he'll work the ground, if he'll, if he'll you know, do all the things that it takes, then what happens? All of a sudden, it starts to grow and grow and grow. And pretty, now you look at him and you go, yeah. <laughs> this guy, right? He looks totally different. In fact, the more that he does exactly what the Luz just said, the more that he gets into a place to where he's trusting God, whether it's in China or whether it's at Microsoft, the more that he trusts God, the actual image will be this. It'll be Christ's image. It'll be the new nature that God put inside of him. Do you see it? And that's what it'll look like. Now, you can still see a little bit of Isaiah in there, right? There's still a little cottonwood in us, right? But the more that you live in the new, the more that you live in the thing that God made, the more that's the thing that, you're, that you are, that people see, and that you live in the fullness and the glory of that. So once again, just one more time. I'll turn around, Isaiah. So once again, the idea is, if you don't feed the new nature, the word, the fellowship, praying, trusting, stepping out, let him do things. If you don't do that, then what happens is, you don't actually grow in the new. It's there, but you're not manifesting. You're not actualizing it, okay? So thank you guys very much, okay? Thank you guys. Now, what I want you to see is, is see, God is going around, and he is spreading seed everywhere, okay? This is what he says, right? He says he's going around, and he's spreading seed. So he spreads a little over here, and he does this, and you know what? Some of it over here on this hard ground He's spreading it here, and this is hard ground. This is a place where it says the birds will come and take it away. And what he means by that is Satan will come. Yes, something was planted. Yes, something was given. But it never really took. It never really took root because Satan came and stole it away before it could become something. See? But what he says is he says there's other stuff that will grow. Here's a weed right here. See? And he says, you can plant a good plant right down in that weed. And what he calls the weed is he said, this is the things of life, riches and worries and, and the stuff that you want. And if you're about that all the time, then what will happen is it will choke out the new plant that God was trying to do. There's one other place, right, which is kind of a rocky soil. We don't really have a rocky soil here. But what he's saying is, is you can plant some seed in a rocky soil, and what will happen is, because it's a loose soil, the root will go straight down and the plant will come straight up. It'll happen really quick. But the problem is, is that when the hard things of life come, it doesn't have a deep enough root. There wasn't enough substance in it. And what will happen is, is that it'll wither. It won't last. Now, on the other hand, there's this plowed ground. There's this ground that you've taken a shovel to. And because the park won't let us come back next year if I do this illustration, I'm going to fake it, okay? But the point is, is you take a plow, right? And what do you do with a field before you plant it, right? Even, even with the new, what they call no-till. And my wife is a farmer's family, and so I know this stuff. But they still do a till. It's just that they do it right when they're planting. See what I mean? And what it means is they don't go through beforehand. But before they go through, there's this thing that's going through, and it's taking the, the earth, and it's turning it over. And the image is, is that now you're planting seeds inside of there where it can go down into good soil. 
where it can have a root that goes down, where it can have a plant that grows up in an appropriate way. And the point is, he says, that's going to bear 30, 60, 100-fold fruit. The thing I want us to... The thing I want us to get is, is that God is trying to plant seed in us. He's trying to plant a new life in us. He's trying to put something into a place that's going to make a difference in our lives. And, and we have to be mindful of it. It's not just the moment of salvation. Yes, he puts the new DNA in us. He puts the new nature. He puts the new creation. He puts the Holy Spirit. But if, we, if we're not doing something to break up the ground... If we're not watering, if we're not tending, then it's not going to grow up into the multiple fruit. And that's for you personally and for the world. So the question becomes for today, how do we plow the ground? How do we prepare the soil? Now, this is the thing. Most, most people that are here, oh, everything I've said before, you've heard a lot of this. But I want to tell you something about what baptism is that I think will be different than how you think of it. What are you doing when you get baptized? What are you doing? Is it salvation? No, we've already made that clear. It's symbolic of it. It images it beautifully, right? But what are we actually doing when we make a decision to get baptized? Yes, we're proclaiming. Now watch where we're proclaiming to. But watch what proclaiming is first. Think about God. God says, let there be light, and what happens? Light. Let there be a separation of the heavens and the waters. What happens? Let there be land. Land. Let there be plants. Plants. Let there be animals. Animals. Let there be something made in my image. And what is there? When God proclaims, there's power in it. When God proclaims, it's not just a nothing. By the way, that power is in it is Christ. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was Christ. And Christ goes into a situation and creates a thing that wasn't there before. So when God proclaims, He's creating something that wasn't there before. When we're being baptized, we're proclaiming and creating through the proclamation. Something new, something very important to get us on this journey so that we really do move forward into good plowed ground that's going to grow up into something. Watch how we're proclaiming. Four different ways, just quickly. Number one, we're proclaiming it to the Heavenly Father. We proclaim to God, I'm after you. I love you. I've done it my way. I don't want to do it my way anymore. I want to do it your way. I want to follow you. Which one of you dads here would ever hear your child say to you, I love you and I want to do things your way now? What would you do as a dad? <laughs> right? Now think about it. You've created something in him. Do you see it? Your proclamation unto the heavenly father has created a response in him. And boy, I tell you what, when God responds to you, you got everything, <laughs> right? Now, the second level where you're creating, where you're proclaiming, is to the heavenly host, the angels. 
Well, I don't know. That doesn't seem so important. Actually, you know, there's a story in Acts. This is a real story. It's not a myth. It's not a made-up story. It's a story about seven sons of this guy named Sceva who are Jewish guys. They're not followers of Christ. But they see the success that Christ and Paul are having in delivering people from the things that are besetting them. And they decide they're going to start doing it that way. So they go in and they go to a guy and he's, you know, and they say to him, we adjure you to get out of him by the name of Jesus and Paul who preaches Jesus. And this angel, this demon says, Paul I know, or Jesus I know. We know him. We know Jesus. We know Paul. We know Paul. If he told us to do something, we'd do it. Because he's with Jesus. <laughs> See? But then he goes, but who are you? <laughs> and he, he beats up the seven sons and runs them out of the house naked. Is anybody, does anybody want to not be beat up anymore having to run out of the house naked? Proclaim it to the heavenlies whose you are. You are Christ's. Create in the heavenlies a certainty and authority by proclaiming it. When you're getting baptized, I want you to have this in your mind, these proclamations to the heavenly Father, to the heavenly host, but then also to the world. Friends, neighbors, family. You're proclaiming something to the world. Now, think about that one for a second, okay? Here you are, you know, you, you've gotten saved. Some people, when they get saved, they go crazy, and they just, and I mean good crazy, and they just love on people, and they want to bring them to Christ, and they can't wait, and they just do to everybody. And that's, you know, 20% of people that get saved are like that. The other 80%, you know, you still work at Microsoft. You still work at Boeing. You still work somewhere. You still have friends that don't know them. You have family that's made it clear if you do this, it's a problem for them. And so you have a little bit of an issue about, you know, proclaiming this. Let me tell you, there's never going to be an easier time for you to make a proclamation to the world than this morning. You're amongst friends. You're amongst people who are supporting you. You're amongst people who know how important this is. And you're going to be able to claim it. And when you do proclaim it, here's what happens. You're creating something. What are you creating? A platform. You're creating a space. You're saying, I've done this. It was okay. It wasn't as bad as I thought. I can do this. And then you step forward. And then you step forward again. And then you step forward again. You're creating a path in your proclamation. Jesus says, if you will proclaim me amongst men, I will proclaim you to the Heavenly Father. If you're embarrassed then I'll shy away too. You're creating Christ telling the Father, check him out, check her out. Make a highway for them. Create a path, because they'll walk in it. Which brings us to the last proclamation, and that is to ourselves. I think the other ones are actually more important. I just think this one, the way that we are built, becomes most important to us. Because we need to proclaim to ourselves what we believe. We need to stand up for it. We need to proclaim it and create it 
in our own souls, in our own hearts, in our own minds. We need to proclaim that I am Christ. Why? Because there's two kingdoms and two realities that are still having battle. <laughs> See? When you proclaim that you're after Christ, then you are giving rise, you're giving food, you're giving superfood. <laughs> vitamins and energy and all the good stuff to that which is new in you and it takes off and by the way as it takes off it kills the old stuff so when you proclaim it to yourself you make this enormous difference in your own heart because you're creating more of the new you and less of the old now that is what we're going to go do right now.